Hey everyone, this is Will from Beijing, China, and welcome to this brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. As we are speaking right now, it's hard to believe that in the year of 2022, right now at this moment, we are witnessing the first international conflict between the two countries, Russia and the neighboring country, Ukraine. It's hard to believe that, again, as I mentioned before, it's actually taking place throughout the media and throughout the entire international community. Russia just officially invaded this country, Ukraine, despite the limitations and despite the political hindrance from other partners. The leader Vladimir Putin did not take any advice, and as a matter of fact. The things we're witnessing today in Ukraine are quite unimaginably painful for us to watch. So that's why, in order to get the first-hand information, and I always say it's better to hear from the horse's mouth, and that's why I want to invite a special guest in order to protect the guest's identity, and we are going to call this person Mike. So that's why I want to say Mike, and welcome to the missing piece. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, Mike. As you are right now in Ukraine, can you tell us, or can you simply describe what you are seeing right now at this moment? As I mentioned before, because throughout the media, the day or the moment that Russia troops invaded this country, it was terrifying and scary, not only for the people in Ukraine but also for the people outside across the continent are watching how this whole event is being unwrapped. Can you tell us what is going on or、uh, what have you been seeing right now? Well, I woke up at ten a.m.、Uh, local time and. I heard some sound, and like I thought that was some kind of aircraft, but I was told that it wasn't an aircraft; it was a missile. So in the morning in Ukraine,、uh, Russian missiles started to target,、uh, you know, military infrastructure of Ukraine. So airports, military bases, anything, anything that has to do with military. Some headquarters of some I don't know some yeah you name it like literally anything that has to do with military has been targeted by the Russian missiles. And Mike, again, as you mentioned, that the minute you woke up and you realize this country was under attack or this country was being invaded by Russia, how surprised? Were you, and what about the reaction from the people around you? So, so if I can take a one step further, previously for days that we have been told as an outsider that this country Ukraine was or can be or could be invaded by Russia, but again everything was up in the air. But right at this moment, just a few hours ago, it actually took place. Were you surprised? And how about the people around you? And、of course, you cannot be prepared for for stuff like this. Like you'll always be surprised. But、uh, as you know, like、uh, Ukraine experienced annexation of Crimea in, back in 2014. So、uh, Ukraine is at war. Well, 
we call it proxy war, hybrid war. So, so for, for eight years it was so-called proxy war. Hmm. It was not direct. It was like uh, you name it. So, uh, Russia annexed Crimea and then like supported separatists in the east of Ukraine. And um, I would say that like it was inevitable. So this invasion was inevitable. This is my personal opinion based on facts. On, as you remember, back in December, Vladimir Putin uh, rolled out official demands toward the United States, NATO. They had to stop the enlargement of NATO in the Eastern Europe. But like, I feel that, you know, the United States and President Biden, they didn't take it seriously. You know, and like, I, I feel I worried a lot back then that, you know, like if a president of such a big country as Russia tells you something, you don't have to take it, you know, uh, take it easy. Hmm. You must take it seriously. Hmm. Like if Vladimir Putin threatens directly, his words must be taken seriously. And since like no, neither President Biden nor leadership of Ukraine seem to take his words seriously, I think that just like, you know, Vladimir Putin had it enough because as I said, uh, the conflict has been going on for eight years in Donbass, in the east of Ukraine. Uh, there are like, you know, the, the official official data is that Ukraine has already lost around uh, 15,000 people, and uh, most of them are civilians. Not today, but for, for the previous eight years. And I don't know, like, I would, I dare to compare the situation that is going on between Ukraine and Russia. I would compare it with how relations are with, um, between uh, uh, mainland China and Taiwan, like, because like, I have friends in China and uh, they, they are quite well informed about what is going on in, in Ukraine. So like, if you watch Western media, there's a, lo a lot of propaganda and misinformation that, you know, like Ukraine has nothing to do with Russia. It's like completely two different nations, but it's, it's, it's wrong. Like, it's not like that. Ukraine and Russia, in fact, have common history for centuries. And yeah, it's like, you can find some Ukrainians that you're gonna say, yeah, like, Russia is our enemy, yeah. But you also can find Ukrainians that gonna tell you, no, Russia is not our enemy. So there's unfortunately a lot of propaganda, misinformation, and um, the, the, the chance for compromise, for consensus, for agreement has been lost. It was lost back in 2014. So, like, just recently, you know, uh, we've got some, you know, so you, we've got mainstream media and we've got some, let's let's say, opposition media, right? Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, there's some, you know, uh, 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 
uh, government agenda on what is going on in Ukraine. And there is some opposition agenda, more peaceful. So like the government agenda is like, okay, uh, Russia is our enemy. We need to fight Russia. But there is also opposition media that says, no, Russia is not our enemy, or at least we don't want to to wage war with Russia because Russia is much bigger and much stronger than Ukraine. You know, starting a war against Russia means a suicide for for Ukraine. Mm. And as I said, like, you can, like, you know, find many Ukrainians. You're going to get many different opinions on what is going on. So, like, I'm also, you know, uh, um, like I, I invite you to you know to communicate to as many Ukrainians as you can. You can collect different opinions, but like my personal opinion is that the, the war uh, between Ukraine and Russia is artificial. Mm. What does that mean? Can so, you tell tell us a little bit more? What does that mean to be artificial? And also, Mike, during that moment that you were sharing with me again. I am so sorry to to say that it's happening in your country and you you indeed sound very deflated about what's happening right now but again I still wanted to uh, help us to understand what does that mean when you say the war between Russia and Ukraine it's so artificial what does that mean by the way so like as you remember uh, um there was a so-called revolution in 2014 in Ukraine. Um, I, I didn't support it. So, like, as I said, you can. So, if you want to understand the the root, the root cause of the conflict, you need to go back in the past. Everything started from the so-called revolution in 2014. This, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna like you know to, to give you a, a better picture. I'm gonna give some examples from China as well. So like, I would compare a revolution that took place in Ukraine to events that uh, happened in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. both uh, 2013, 2014, 2017. So I would compare Ukraine to Hong Kong. No, I really do. I really want to compare these two events, but um, Again, too too much propaganda, too much misinformation. When people of the same nation start to kill each other, that's terrible. And like the the difference between Hong Kong events and Ukraine is that let's let's say I would put it this way: like uh, the common sense uh, won in Hong Kong the common sense prevailed but in ukraine no uh the so-called revolution won mm. and the common sense lost so like ukraine lives in a re reality of lost common sense unfortunately mm. i think the the simple question that everyone was trying to answer or even though you know, despite the complication of the bilateral relations between those two countries, by taking yeah. action against Ukraine, what was Vladimir Putin's main purpose? Does some is it really as some expert 
experts predicted that Vladimir Putin was trying to make a point to the United States, given the point that, you know, for decades we've been saying, or even uh, uh, since the recent election took place in the States, foreign policy side, U.S. right now is a hot mess. So for Vladimir Putin, it's just taking advantage of this opportunity or taking advantage of the vulnerability of the U.S. and really demonstrating something that maybe the world or especially the Western side has never seen before about Russia or about Putin. Does that make sense? So in other words, what was the drive for Putin to take this immediate action right now and he seems so confident and so bold and so daring to make that decision? Well, uh, as you know, uh, uh, 30 years ago, Ukraine and Russia were a part of one country. Uh, this country was named the Soviet Union. So it collapsned in 1991. By, by the way, the year I was born, so I was born in 1991. So, mm, like, but like, if you ask people that who are either over 30 as me, like who are 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, they remember the time when Russia and Ukraine were one country. And there was a time, for example, when Ukraine uh, possessed nuclear weapons was but after the dissolution of the Soviet Union, uh, Ukraine voluntarily gave up on all nuclear weapons and transferred it, it back to Russia. So it was a big deal. And uh, from that time, like Ukraine uh, inherited lots of, you know, military infrastructure, uh, Ukraine is capable of producing aircraft, missiles, all this stuff. And I would say it was much uh, thanks to the united efforts Russia and Ukraine had as one country. So for Vladimir Putin, he's, uh, I don't remember his age, but he's over 60. Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, he's 67, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, Still, most of his life, he remembers the Ukraine as a part of Russia. And he, he has all the rights to think that Ukraine is a part of Russia, is a like, legit part of Russia, like in his mind, because like all people are subjective and like we're all, you know, every person has different opinion on what is going on. But when you ask millions of people, it's gonna just you know uh, all you have to do is to find out who thinks what and like it in a large scale so um, as i said there was a lot of propaganda and misinformation like throughout 30 years of ukrainian independence um, and as i said like you're gonna ask like, let's say you're going to ask 10 Ukrainians about what they think, what is going on, and you're going to get 10 different answers. Some kind of, so, someone's going to call it like, okay, like Russia is our enemy. Uh, some, somebody is going to say, no, Russia is not our enemy. So there is no uniform 
uh, public opinion on what is going on in Ukraine. So too much chaos, too much, like, yeah, too much chaos, yeah. So let me ask you this way again going back to word the word propaganda you know again yeah. mike you are living in ukraine and again yeah. as an outsider we just saw you know we just saw videos and after videos throughout the media that you know there's bombing at the airport and people rush into the grocery store and they were uh, really i don't want to use the word looting but they were trying to empty out the shelf and they were afraid and i mean the ukrainians were afraid that food was going to run out but another source that told me that you know for ukrainians to f going back going into the battle to fight against the russian troops it's all about the word freedom so in other words if ukrainians refuse to uh, fight against the russians they they might as well just hand vladimir putin a piece of cake but in order to avoid doing that to continue to fight for the freedom that's what the uh, ukrainian troops or the government is doing so from your perspective do you think that makes sense is it really about the sense of freedom or it's something more than that we already discussed this issue last year and i in my personal opinion there's indeed uh you know it has a lot to do with uh, human psychology like what um it's you know that th there is a lot about uh education and uh, family upbringing so like mm, since i has i have been very interested in studying psychology so like you know some people they see uh, uh oppression everywhere so like and that that is why they seek freedom even even if the people live in a free country, they still want more freedom. So some something similar you, you could see in 2020 in the United States with the Black Lives Matter movement, if you remember. Mm. In 2020, uh, the entire United States uh, was shook, was shaken by, by the riots. Okay, like you could put it this way, because I remember from the news that some police uh, stations were were captured by the rioters in the United States, and like you know, some African Americans they believe that they were slaves and they were oppressed by by America, so they wanted some revenge. I don't know. Like slavery is over, like for more than 100 years but some african-americans truly believe that they are slaves or like former slaves and they seek uh, liberation they seek freedom so like i find such explanation irrational so they the same way as uh, african-americans seek freedom in in today's united states the same way uh, some Ukrainians, they seek freedom from Russia while living in a free country. Like, this is my opinion.
because I thought that I lived in a free country, like we've got, you know, freedom of speech, all the stuff, but like to some point, uh, Ukraine became similar to the United States in a bad way, I would say, I would put it this way, because, you know, when the police stations are captured by rioters, uh, this is not something like you would like to live next to. You know, if you know what I mean. So if you live in a neighborhood and like you see rioters capturing a police station, uh, something's wrong in this situation. So like, so you're saying uh, because yeah. is the internal corruption or the internal vulnerability that provide yeah. a channel or that provide a mechanism for Russian yeah. to take advantage of the country yeah. is that right yeah okay yeah let's put it this way yeah yeah okay so like um you know ukraine always had like let's say well 20 percent 30 percent of the population that has always been pro-russian mm. you know let's say let, let's say one third of ukrainians always supported russia always mm. Not, not before 2014, not after it, always. Mm. No. Well, so, and lots of, lots of citizens of Ukraine aren't actually ethnic Russians. Well, Mike, just follow your thoughts. If that significant proportion of the population in Ukraine are actually supporting Russia, yeah. what is the purpose for this war? So in other words, why can people, you know, just leave the country? Or again, if they are so uh, uh, getting tired of or fed up with this current situation, the political instability, why can't they just leave? So again, going back again, I know we're circling back to the question is, so why, why wait? for Russia to invade because this is such an international scene or this is such an international spotlight in a negative way, don't you think? I think the, the, it has a lot to do with the economy. So, like, um, in my opinion, Russia, uh, you know, like, let's put it in business terms, and like, Russia tried to handle it in the least costly way. So. For most people, for most ordinary people, moving elsewhere is too expensive, simply. You know, they've got their property, they've, they've got their jobs. It's too costly, too expensive to move elsewhere, to like, to move to, China, to, to Russia. It's too expensive. That's it. And um, as for the motivation for, for Russians to wait for Russia to invade, well, the Russian propaganda says that, like, um, you know, Ukrainians speak Ukrainian language and Russians speak Russian language. Mm. And since, like, as I've said, uh, one third of uh, citizens of Ukraine are actually ethnic Russians, uh, there's no surprise that they would like to use their uh, mother tongue, like, you know, when living in Ukraine. But uh, the, the, the current government of Ukraine uh, does not allow uh, Russians to use their mother tongue in their, like, you know, at the official level, of course they can use their mother tongue in everyday lives some, somewhere, like, you know, in their private, but they're not allowed to do this officially. 
you know, mm. uh, in mainstream media. So uh, Russian native speakers are not allowed to speak Russian on mainstream media, for example, or read newspapers, or um, their, their options for buying books in Russians are limited. So of course they can buy mm. uh, books in Russian, but they're, they're, there's a certain trend and policy on limiting the access of uh, Russian native speakers to using their Russian language. And um, uh, Ukraine is, an, is a Christian nation, and there are lots of Christian congregations in the world, but Ukraine is, is a so-called Orthodox Christian church. And uh, three years ago in 2019, uh, former president of Ukraine, Poroshenko, he created a brand new church, a brand new church that, well, the whole point of creating a brand new Orthodox church was to uh, separate the, the Ukrainian Christians from any connections with Russia, mm. because uh, Ukraine and Russia used to have uh, the, the, the common Christian church. Orthodox Christian Church that was, you know, it's, it was like one body, mm -hmm. like in the past. And um, so the, the decision to create a brand new uh, Christian Church was like, in my opinion, was uh, down to separate and to pit even uh, uh, Ukrainian Orthodox believers uh, Christians from Russian Orthodox believers, mm. Christians. So, so in other words, for Ukrainians, it's all about the word identities. So again, yeah. we want yeah. to be yeah. different from Russians, yeah. you know, even though yeah. that we yeah. might we might not satisfy with our current country or yeah. with our current political system, but we do have our own identities. Mike, I have two yeah. more questions before letting you go. I, I know uh, this is a sensitive and critical uh, time for you to uh, join the show. Now, my next question is, by taking actions against uh, or uh, invading Ukraine, how do you think such strategic move could elevate or could change the image of Vladimir Putin right now? Well, uh, I would use the word uh, demonized or demonization. Mm. Uh, the, the image of Vladimir Putin has been already demonized. So I don't see the reason why he would be scared. Because as I said, he has been already demonized. Like if, if you understand what I say, about what I mean by the word demonization. So, when he, you know, when, or, or let's say he's painted black all the time. So like for him, I heard that already, you know, if you look at the stock exchange in Moscow, the, the, the trading is going down. So like, you know, for investors, they start to sell out, uh, uh their Russian assets, but like if, if uh, President Putin has already initiated this operation in Ukraine, well, he doesn't care about all this stuff, about his image, like, uh, mm, I would say even more that, like, I heard that in some European countries, such as France, for example, there's even some, you know, a sympathizer of 
of Vladimir Putin. So, like, I mean, I talk about some some proportions of European population. Yeah, they they sympathize Vladimir Putin. So, Okay. My my last question is again only within a few hours that we saw this invasion and we saw uh, uh, people were uh, uh, I mean the the Ukrainian government urged the citizens to stay at home and then to uh, stay away from the main streets and uh, etc. What can we expect next? So, in other words, how long do you think this can go on in terms of this invasion from Russia to Ukraine? And are you prepared, when I say you, that I mean individually or maybe as a, a collective uh, uh, identities, are you ready for the next stage? Or are you ready for something even worse than what you have already experienced today? So, in my opinion, the, the purpose of Russia is to create a new government in Ukraine. This, because, like, uh, the current government of Ukraine is anti-Russian at its core. Uh, yeah, the, the purpose of Russia is to create a new uh, uh, government in Ukraine. Mm. As for the population, I don't know, some of them... The, 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 you know, smart people had to be prepared for this psychologically, at least. Uh, as for the other aspects, you know, like uh, having enough food and water, like, no, unfortunately, no. People are not prepared for this. As as a matter of, like, as, as for the time, um, also very difficult to say anything right now. Like, for how long it's gonna, gonna going on, no. Unfortunately, I can say, like, it can be a matter of days, it can be a matter of weeks, something like this. Yeah. But mm. I'm sure that, well, well, yeah, it's, let's say, at the very, at, at, at the very most, it's going to last, let's say, one month. Mm. It's the very most. Mm. But, like, I think everything's going to happen very fast. Mm. I think so. Mm. 